Well, hey folks, this is John coming to you from the head of the bed. And today I'm joined by Dr. Juan Quintana, who is currently serves as the president of the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, and Christy Hoke, who currently serves as the president of the Maine Association of Nurse Anesthetists. And we're meeting today um, on the eve of the New England Assembly of Nurse Anesthetists annual meeting being held in Portland, Maine. And Juan and Christy are here to talk about the value of being a member of the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, or AANA. Juan and Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. That's a pleasure. Glad to be here and uh, excited to, to see you put all this together. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Well, first off, I'd like to ask both of you uh, to tell the listeners a little bit about your background and experience as CRNAs, your respective roles as presidents of the National Association, Juan, and Christy of the Maine State Association. Well, Christy, I defer to you to start. Okay. I'll go. I am a CRNA with over 10 years of experience. I work for a CRNA, an all-CRNA company, and I work in a variety of settings. One day I'll be in an uh, independent critical care access hospital, like I was today, doing my own cases, and uh, the next day I'll be at a level two trauma center in an anesthesia care team model. Um, I'm also their recruiter and the chair of the rural facilities group, which is the chiefs of all those facilities. We get together at least once a quarter to discuss any issues at the small facilities and see what we can do to improve our care, if anything. And we document every single case that we do on our website so we've got about 10 years worth of data showing how safe we are as wow. CRNAs. That's great. Yeah. That's great. One. Excellent. Uh, yes, I have a group in uh, Northeast Texas that I cover. There's about seven of us. And uh, we've been in the area for approximately 17 years. My group started in 99. The uh, group is an all-CRNA group. There have been times when I've had an anesthesiologist on board, um, but not but currently we do not. We cover four facilities and an ambulatory surgery center. And then periodically we help out other CRNA groups who are needing vacation coverage or something like that. So for the last 17 years, that's where I've been hiding. I uh, graduated as a CRNA in 97 and had practiced nursing for nine years prior to that. So I've been around for a while. About 2004, I became more interested in knowing more about the reimbursement component of CRNAs and anesthesia in general. So I started an anesthesia billing company at that time, and it's called uh, ABC Consulting, not to be confused with the ABC company of uh, Mr. Miro. It's a little bit different. And, uh, and so that's how I've learned a lot of reimbursement, sort of on-the-job training. And uh, today, uh, we uh, bill not only for ourselves, but for about eight other companies as well. Wow, great, great. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Um, we're here to talk about the value of CRNAs being members of the ANA. So I'm a new CRNA, so let's get to it. Sell me on it. Why should I support the ANA as a new CRNA? Well, as a new graduate, I think it's very important for you to know that the ANA supports your right to practice. And over 44,000 CRNAs across the country have a much stronger voice than you alone would have. Of course. Great. The biggest, I think that is the biggest issue. And when we poll uh, CRNAs across the country, the thing that they feel most uh, enamored of in terms of the ANA is the advocacy that we provide on a regular basis. Uh, today, it extends to even more than that, but it is important to know that advocacy is one of our prime efforts. 
Uh, we advocate not only in legislative issues at the federal level, but at the state level. We advocate in terms of regulatory changes with Medicare and even with a commercial insurance companies. So we meet with them when we can. We try to create meetings with them on a regular basis to discuss CRNA issues, discuss the uh, ability of CRNAs to practice effectively within their system and to promote CRNAs so that they will further utilize them in their system. A lot of times you'll see locations where CRNAs are not um, particularly identified as a provider in their systems, and so we encourage them to do that. Uh, we've done so also with the non-discriminatory act that we encouraged and really pushed into the Affordable Care Act. So that's our primary objective. Now, other things that we do for CRNAs on a regular basis is that we make sure that you have a structure in terms of your standards. So the standards that you utilize in terms of your practice on a regular basis are, uh, for the most part, come from the AANA. Occasionally, the ASA will have a standard that we don't have, and sometimes we'll have a standard that they don't have. Mm -hmm. And we also look out for the well-being of CRNAs. A few years ago, we established a wellness process, which was the first in its country in terms of national associations. We promoted the idea that the profession as a whole needed to be well, that there needed to be health both mentally and physically that's of great. that individual. So that's a big push. And in fact, some people have definitely uh, um, become interested in it and started their own wellness component. So that's a big issue and something that we do. Most recently, I would say that we have, in addition to everything else that we do, added a component of practice. That is, we recognize that many CRNAs across the country and CRNAs who are in uh, chief positions have to deal with policies and regulations. We know that if you want to start your own business, that you need to have templates in terms of contracts, that you need to learn more about negotiation. So all of that we're starting to bring to fruition to, to you through our practice management subdivision of practice. So that's something that we provide for you that is super huge in terms of being able to start your own business. You don't, when I started my own business, I basically just had to give it a shot, had to create contracts that right. I wasn't sure were going to work, uh, had to create policies that I wasn't sure. We, we've all had visits from... Uh, the Joint Commission or AAAHC, and sometimes our policies are right on and sometimes they, they aren't. And so uh, what we're doing at the ANA is we're making it fundamentally um, part of our process to make sure that you can ask us and get from us policies and procedures that make sense and have been vetted through the Joint Commission and AAAHC and companies like that. So it's an, a huge advantage to be a member. And not the least of which is stuff like educational stuff, uh, you know, information that we bring to you on a regular basis so that you are um, the best provider that you can be. And that's what we expect out of CRNAs. That's great. Uh, what's the cost of membership for CRNAs annually? And how does the ANA appropriate those funds that come in? The ANA uh, cost of membership is $645 a year. Out of that $645, $232 goes to the state that's designated by the CRNA as their home state. And that is the CRNA's membership dues per se for that state association. 
Correct. Their contribution to that state association. Agreed. In other words, the state gets that much because you are a member. So if you have designated Maine as your uh, state, then Maine gets 232 of your dollars directly towards that state. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, you should know that that's not the only thing the ANA does in terms of membership for CRNAs. We take um, the monies that you give us, the remainder of that money, and oftentimes states need help in terms of setting up their, their structural systems, uh, financial systems, legal, lobbyist teams. They'll need help with that, so we help with that. We have a state management affairs uh, part of a, a component division of the ANA, so they help with that. Um, in addition to that, we uh, will help states in fighting battles that they have, uh, whether they are trying to win in a consensus model, like we saw recently here uh, in Maine, or whether they're fighting AAs, uh, whatever that might be, the ANA provides uh, a wealth of information regarding that. I think we estimated a few years ago that in addition to the $232 that goes per member, that the AANA uh, delivers somewhere in terms of soft costs of about um, almost close to $2 million in addition to all that back to the states. The, the states at large? Correct. Right, great. So you mentioned a couple of things on how the AANA supports state associations with the membership funds. Uh, what are, in some of those other resources, Christy, how important is the National Association support of your state association? We couldn't have gotten through this year without their support. We did so many terrific things. They came in and helped us get through the organizational review, which was basically looking over our structure. Do you have a strategic plan? Do you have a lobbyist? Do you have an attorney? And even though we're a small state, we are pretty organized. <laughs> they were very happy with what we had, what we're doing, where we're going, because we've always worked without a management company. So for us to hear that from them, just really supported, gave value to what we it's were nice already doing. Yeah, because you know we're putting in a lot of volunteer time. But yeah, that was nice to hear. The other thing is that uh, the legislative piece, if I had a question or just having the communications committee, state government relations people, vet what we were about to testify on was huge. One of the more interesting things that happened is as we were on the floor, the group going against us <laughs> had a flyer and they basically just said everything that we were telling them was lies. So I made a phone call to our board of nursing and to Jana Conover in state government relations and within 15 minutes we had answers, complete full answers, printed out in our lobbyist's hands that he was handing back. And that came from the AANA? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. great. We did a, a quick conference call. We had it done. It was, it was amazing. One of the most interesting things that just happened was I had a member call me with a practice issue. And it wasn't outside of our scope of practice. It's just not something that we typically do. Got a hold of the AANA. Lynn Reed, who's practice manager was on vacation and she immediately called back and said, what can I do to help you? So you have found the association to be very responsive and immediately responsive to, oh. the, to the needs that you've come across. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. That's great. So I want to ask both of you, 
For a long time, the AANA represented over 95% of CRNAs in the United States, which is a great number. It's a great commitment level from CRNAs. Membership in the organization has slipped in the last few years. Some CRNAs, especially those with less than five years of experience, question why they should be involved. Why do you think that that is? I think that's a, um, a good question. We've asked ourselves that exact question. The numbers from, you know, when we talk about 95% actually vary significantly. Over the years, they've gone up to 95, actually up to 96 at one point, and then gradually dropped out. The uh, decline, and actually, we should be clear about this, the number of members continues to rise. So the number of members continues to rise over the last 10 years. It's gone up about 36%. So that number is steadily, the number that we're interested in or that in your your question references is the percentage of, of CRNAs that are members. And in that sense, we have seen a gradual decline over the years, starting about 10 years ago, of about half a percent per year. That's fairly consistent. Uh, what we then further delved into it, and we found that, again, you're absolutely right. It was uh, members who have one to five and now one to ten years who are most likely to uh, not renew their membership. Mm-hmm. Usually they'll go through the first cycle, and then they don't renew their membership. And I think there are many drivers associated with that. The cost of your education, I think, it plays a big factor. The fact that when we graduated, it was expensive but we could still see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I do think that sometimes uh, some of the newer grads don't appreciate just how important that advocacy is and that mm-hmm. you know you would not be able to practice as independently as you can practice. That Though I realize many times you're working in, a, in an anesthesia care team setting where it feels very limited, that trends are moving in such a way to, that will increase your autonomy as a practitioner, and that is all related to the power of the ANA pushing and making available those services. Um, you know, between market drivers and ANA, making sure that there's never a barrier that's erected that stops you from being able to fully practice to the top of your educational level, it's a factor that as a new grad, sometimes you're so focused on just doing that next anesthetic and doing a great job that there is a sense that you forget that the reason that you're able to do that and that you've garnered that education is the strength of the ANA, that we push those in order to allow you all of that. You know, that when we say, you know, there was a period of time when uh, you couldn't do spinals or epidurals and the ANA had to push for all of that. The ANA has continued to do that through and and in combination with the COA and the MBCRNA to prove that we are the outstanding provider we say we are. So I think over time, I mean, we're hoping that we can address those issues. And we hope that certainly anyone within that grouping has, you know, the desire to come to us and tell us what they're interested in, what things drive them, what would motivate them to be part of this membership. Because we want to be in touch with that idea that, you know, we're achieving what you want as right. your goals. It, I mean, when we say this should be membership driven, it definitely should be. In other words, you tell us what things interest you and we try to, 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 to steer that ship in the direction that needs to go to get those. So what are some of the avenues for CRNAs to communicate their interest to the AANA? Sure, to actually, participate? yeah. And I mean, you know, for us, you can do 
You can contact the ANA offices directly. You can call them if you want. You can email any, you can email the board members as a whole. You can email the board members individually. You certainly can email your state association members and they will email us. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on <laughs> Facebook. You can follow us on the website and communicate. All of those are available so that you can. We try to open those lines of communication as much as possible, even to the degree that sometimes you'll find me hanging out on a Sunday evening on Facebook saying, hey, toss some questions out to me. Let's see, what are we thinking about out there? And that opens up, I think, those lines of communication to say, hey, we're interested in what you're interested in. And I would like to highlight that I've I've seen a couple of those uh, correspondences that have gone out. I've been able to go back and read the questions if I wasn't able to get there on that Sunday night and see what you know what are the issues that are are concerning people. Your immediate responses to that, and so thank you for that. I think that's a phenomenal way for uh, board members and yourself as the president of the association to be immediately available and responsive to the membership. So if folks don't know about that. That's through the CRNA and SRNA Facebook group, which is a closed group to AANA members only. You have to provide your AANA member to be accepted into that group. I have been surprised as I've talked about the conversations and discussions on that group, the number of CRNAs that have no idea that that's available to them as a resource. And something that will happen, something we're going to transition eventually is a new thing that we're we haven't really named it, but the platform will be Higher Logic. It's called Higher Logic. Very similar to Facebook. As soon as it comes in, probably towards the end of this year, all all CRNA, all um, not not all CRNAs, but all ANA members will be immediately opted in. That is, you'll be on this system, and you can use it as much as you like or as little as you like. And what we'll do then is engage those conversations through that Higher Logic. Each one of those will present opportunities to set up communities. So if you want to have a community for business or a community for OB services, because that's what you provide, then your group can create an OB community and have those discussions. And then we'll have a general discussion, much like that CRNA, SRNA. And uh, the good news about that is it provides a very safe environment. Sometimes our, you know, we can get, we're a passionate group. We can get a little bit out there, you know, in terms of our communications. And so uh, this will be a, uh, uh, a moderated group where we will not, we'll have rules set up. So everybody must play nice in the sandbox. And the only reason I say that is because a lot of times I think individuals want to share their thoughts, but feel a little bit pushed around whenever they do. And so uh, what we're providing is a safe environment. You Great. share whatever you want to, and, uh, and we're glad to have it. I mean, we want to hear from you. We, we're not here to stop your communication. We want to hear from you. And so that's called Higher Logic. Higher Logic. Online forum. Will that be through the AANA's website? Yes. Great. Do you think that that will be a forum that will have interplay with the annual meetings? It, you'll have... I don't know that it will tag directly. The, the annual meetings, you can pretty much figure, will be televised at this point. Uh, not the whole meeting, but at least the business meeting. Uh -huh. But the Higher Logic provides a community to sort of have those discussions. And it doesn't matter what forum you want, if you want to talk about, again, a specific community you want to create, or if you want to delve sure. into the communities that we create. The, the tie-in will be separate with our videotaping of the annual business meeting. We're not sure exactly how... I don't think it will tie in directly to being able to, for example, vote if we can get down that path of voting for things through Higher Logic. I think it'll be separate, but the Higher Logic will be a good way for you to communicate 
questions that you have on any issues that you have directly to us because we're right there and we're getting great. It. Great. Do you think that remote voting is in the future? I, I do think it is in. Well, no, let me rephrase that. It is in the future. It's just <laughs> it's, it's not just, certainly not right but, now, but it's not <laughs> happening now. Right. And it's just course. a question of whether members begin to have that sense of uh, there's a degree of uh, desire for instant gratification. I want to know what happened right now and I want to fix it right now. Um, it would be interesting to note that the majority of associations do not function the way that we do. We're a bit of an exception in that sense in that, you know, we're still we're still doing all of that business right there, attempting to vote for it right there, attempting to fix it right there. Most communities send out information in advance and then just have you vote and then send in your vote. And right. so that discussion at the business meeting is just the tabulation of the votes, Interesting. not so much the actual voting. And so it, it is a difference. It's a paradigm change. And for us, you know, CRNAs, we give or said people fall asleep. We like that. And so, uh, you know, it, we, we like that instant component where we know what's happening. But I think if we can explain the process to you and provide you that information, that, that there may be a greater interest that we garner. And we hope we'll see that again at this next business meeting. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so... To step in a little bit of a different direction, Juan, you've experienced in economics of anesthesia and uh, various business models. Christy, you've been working hard in the state of Maine with promoting legislation consistent with the APRN consensus model. And for folks that may not know, that advocates for APRNs to be recognized as full service providers. Um, what's the AANA's message to the public, to legislators, to healthcare leaders, military personnel? concerning the ability of CRNAs to work as full-service providers? Oh, gosh. I feel like I have just pounded my head. Uh, I have spent at least one day a week in Augusta for the past year talking to anybody and everybody who would listen, whether it was the janitor or the mailroom guy, it didn't matter. Anybody that would listen, I was out there saying that as a certified registered nurse anesthetist, we are caring, compassionate, quality, safe anesthesia providers. And that in the state of Maine, there are 20 facilities in which CRNAs are the only provider. If we weren't there, their loved one wouldn't be receiving care. Hmm. You know, Starting in 2010, we create we worked with the ANA Foundation. The ANA and the ANA Foundation worked together to sponsor uh, a couple of studies related to anesthesia practice, and we used two different economist groups, well uh, well known throughout the nation, to make to, to have a look at the data, to look at the information. We didn't know what we were going to get, but we wanted that data to be out there one way or the other. And when we did that. We were able to uh, make some great determinations about CRNA practice. Primarily, the message is consistent for us. When we look at the the uh, quality of ANA practice, we find that it is amazing. And in, in, when I say ANA, CRNA practice, it's sure. amazing. Now, I, I'll make the caveat that actually anesthesia practice has improved tremendously right. over the years. The Institute of Medicine agrees with us. You know, it's 50 times safer than it was 30 years ago. That's their standard response. Ours is just to say that we have amazingly safe, high-quality anesthesia services across the spectrum. You know, we have 
uh, morbidities and mortalities that are extremely low and actually makes it kind of difficult to study because we just don't have that much right. morbidity and mortality. But overall in that, CRNAs then are the most cost-effective providers in anesthesia today. In the U.S., we bring a cost-effectiveness in terms of service when we're functioning by ourselves independently, and I say independently, and I don't mean just like you provided anesthesia for somebody who was walking down the street, but that you actually did it in OR. And so uh, when you're providing that anesthesia in an operative suite or, or actually pain management even, we are the most cost-effective providers. And so that is a message that needs to go out to legislators, to regulators, to hospital and facility administrators. And what we've done over the last couple of years is take that message and make it into a PR campaign. And that campaign you will see in different areas of the ANA, and it's called the future of anesthesia care today. And we are, in fact, the future of anesthesia care today, providing safety, quality, cost-effectiveness, and access to services where we are the only providers. When we think about the rural sector across the United States, we cover probably somewhere around 75% of all that by ourselves. There is no other anesthesia provider out there, and so we do that. So our message is pretty strong, and it gets there. And considering market trends, because like you said, I tend to do business, the need for Medicare services and the need for Medicaid services are expanding. And you know that we have this baby boomer component that is moving into retirement. As they move into retirement, you don't need less services, you need more services. And so we are expressly the individuals who can bring those services to those facilities in a cost-effective way because that component that moves into retirement then is at a Medicare rate as opposed to a commercial rate. And therefore, a lot more difficult to cover services when you're covering them at the Medicare rate. And so, absolutely. I mean, when we think of CRNA services and the future of CRNAs, and you'll hear me say this, the future for CRNAs is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Everything is designed right now to move CRNA practice into the forefront. Uh, our colleagues are having even a difficult time trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do with the future. Hmm. And so if you're in CRNA practice, if you're a student thinking about going into CRNA practice, you've made an excellent choice. That's a good message. That's a good message to have. So thank you for sharing that. That's great. What do you think the key challenges are facing the AANA in the next two to five years? And how is the leadership and membership addressing some of those challenges? I think the biggest challenge for us is to continue to stay at the forefront. And, you know, you, you'll hear us say often, we have to be at the table because if we're not at the table, we will be on the menu. And the problem for us is that over and over, I recently attended the American Hospital Association meeting in California, in San Francisco. And in that meeting, they're discussing, you may have heard about bundled payments, you know, how everybody is thinking about bundled payments. And gee, isn't that a good idea? And the thing I did not hear, though I attended several of their meetings regarding bundle payments, was the inclusion of anesthesia services within that bundle. Hmm. That's very disconcerting. Because again, if you're not sitting there negotiating that, then that means when the time comes to pay you, who's going to make the decision about how much you should get paid? We are integral to that discussion and we have to be sure that we show up at those. As leaders of this association, what we're doing is we're meeting with the American Hospital Association, with AAAHC, with all those ambulatory surgery center 
associations and we're letting them know how we practice. We're advertising in their journals to make sure that they know that we're out here. And that Future of Anesthesia Care Today campaign specifically targets legislators and facility administrators so they get it. Right. There is a, there is a public component of that campaign as well. Right. Is the public correct? component is, is engi- I mean, it's kind of a catch-all. I mean, the, the reality of about a public, uh, the reality of a public component for education is that it's so difficult to achieve. That is to have, I mean, I was a CRNA, I think, you know, three years, four years from my mom finally got it. Hmm. So you see how that even though you keep saying it over and over again, they just don't get it. McDonald's advertises on a regular basis. So why do they? Everybody knows who McDonald's is. What's the point? Yet they advertise all the time because at the end of the day, if you're not advertising regularly to the public, they forget. And the problem for us is they come in, they visit with us, they think you're spectacular, and then you give them Versed. So it's really your fault at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, they can't remember who you are. We have to do more no in more terms of the public. But by the same token, we have to recognize that the public is... Uh, you, they're somewhat tied into the surgeon. They're not going to necessarily pick, you know, who comes and provides their service. That's right. So that's why we have targeted our message to the people who do, the people who hire you. And we think that's important. Great, great. Surgeons are very, very supportive of who we are and what we do. We they find that. Us. Yeah, we <laughs> find that in Texas as well, that the surgeons, especially those who have worked with us for a period of time, will say, no, no, I... I I want you to do the anesthesia, you know, yeah. for their family, for their loved ones. They call for us. So uh, that's obviously a big pat on our back. Uh, and it ta- speaks to the compassion that we have and the caring that we have. And, you know, I always say that it, you, there's not a question in terms of the anesthesia that I provide because it's always going to be what I would give my mom. Right. So it's going to be the absolute best. And so you're lucky you come in, you're going to get the absolute best. That's all I ever look for. Yeah, that's great. That's a great message. Excellent. What do you think the greatest legacy of the association has been? I think that it's the uh, steadfast protection of CRNA practice. They, I have an interesting story. When I was in the Army, I was uh, told, oh, you don't want to go to anesthesia school. You don't want to become a CRNA. CRNAs are going to be a thing of the past. Well, when was this? 15 years ago. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and uh, fast forward 15 years, and here we are. And not only are we stronger and better than we were then, we have much more that we can practice. We can place epidurals. We can do spinals. And that's because of the AANA and that strong voice. That's the legacy. Nobody will protect your practice the way your association will. And if you think about the ANA is an is a national association, and the weight that it bears today. We are in our pack. We are the top one of the top ten healthcare packs in the nation. We have a voice where in the past uh, we were relegated to kind of second class citizens. The ANA has shown leadership throughout its existence in leading change, in leading. Um, progressive forward movement to provide the, the most excellent care in terms of anesthesia that you can provide. Constantly, constantly looking for how to improve. And that's really, I think, our legacy in the long haul, that we have stuck it out. Uh, we have always looked to find not necessarily the easy path, 
but the path that improves the care for our patients. And that's what that's what sets us apart. Great, excellent. So, kind of to cap off on the value of being a member of the association, what would you say to CRNAs out there that at the end of this talk are still thinking, you know, I've been thinking about maybe not renewing my membership, or or I've not been a member of the AANA for years at this point. What's your message to those folks? What do you really want them to hear? You know, from from the ANA side of the equation, we want you back. We want you back and part of this association communicating with us what your needs are. We have a lot to offer you in terms of uh, advocacy, education, and support in terms of your needs that occur sometimes on a daily basis in terms of your practice. So we're there for you and we need you to be part. Together, we are stronger. Together, we are a challenging voice that physician groups have not been able to stop or counter. Uh, Our message is safety. It is quality. It is access and cost effectiveness. And with your help, we can bring that message even louder, stronger, and, uh, and hopefully push the fact that you should be able to practice in whatever uh, manner you like to practice, and we can help you get there. That's great. Christy? Most of what I have to say is, you know, exactly like that, but I think it does three very, very important things. It gives you a strong, united voice. You're not out there by yourself. It protects your right to practice, and it gives you access to a wealth of knowledge and expertise, whether that's the CRNA in the next state, the next state president, your board members, your national president, the practice committee, everyone. You just pick up the phone, you make a phone call, and they're there to help. That's great. Hop on the website. Tons of resources on the website, oh. including opportunities for CEs. I was speaking with some CRNAs ahead of this interview, and that's what someone brought up that was important to them. So, you know, my dues cover so many credits of CEs that are available through the association, and that's important to me. And, you know, currently we not only, you know, within the journals, I don't know if you're aware of that, you can get six CEs that are free every year. Uh, in addition to that, you're going to start finding, uh, you know, the MBCRNA has encouraged us to create modules that will basically teach towards some kind of testing. We're not sure exactly what that is just yet, but the modules will soon be available online as well. And even if you're just, you know, wanting a refresher on pharmacology or wanting a refresher on airway, uh, on technology that currently exists or physiology, though you can get CEs through the ANA, the modules are priced at the same rate as the online uh, CEs. Great, great, excellent. Is there anything else that you'd like to say uh, concerning the value of being a member of the AANA? One of the other things that I have neglected to mention so far is that the AANA also helps you become a leader. And in our profession right now, you have to be a leader. It's not enough to be a good CRNA. Even though you make a difference every patient, you have to know how to speak to the CEOs. You have to know how to talk the same language as a CFO, to be able to negotiate. And they've created a Fall Leadership Academy. And if you have the opportunity to go to that, I encourage everyone because there is something for everyone at that meeting. So that's not, you're saying that's not just maybe targeted to folks who are involved in their state association. You would say there's value in that meeting for 
your you. average staff CRNA. <laughs> everyone, right. absolutely Great. everyone. Because we, we all have to speak that same language. And we all, I mean, we all buy rights. Every time you walk into that OR, you are a leader. And so when you're there, uh, there are characteristics and things that you should know how to present yourself. There are uh, tips that we give you in terms of leadership that are invaluable. And that leadership meeting is, is an amazing. It's, it inspires you when you go. Excellent. And that's annually in the fall in November. Illinois. You bet. Is that right? Correct. Great. Well, Juan, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to hear your perspective on the National Association, Christy, the State Association. Folks, thanks so much. Thank you thank very you much. Very we appreciate much. it. And thanks for your time. Yeah, sure. You're thank doing you for an your amazing time. job. Thank you.